We're really grateful to um, to Best Science to actually letting us talk independently um, about about these these results. Um, so and. Uh, the reason why we're doing it without honor area is so that we actually it, it just emphasizes the fact that this is this has been independently done. So th- these are the results from a load of investigators from eleven countries, and and this is a collaborative effort. Um, and so it's a real pleasure to share these results from the Testosterone Efficacy and Safety Consortium funded by the NIHR. So we all know that the number of testosterone prescriptions in the UK and worldwide is is increasing. And it's particularly in in middle-aged men, isn't it? Sort of 40 to 59, that's the big group. Now, 20 or 30 years ago, hypogonadism was restricted really to young men who lost a testis or may have had Kleinfelters. And I'm aware we've got someone from the Kleinfelters Association here as well. But now the trend is that your average man who's on testosterone is is someone who may be obese, who may be older, or and may have diabetes. So, so the population has shifted, hasn't it? And that that causes into question things like safety. And this is just just showing you the headline results of lots and lots of published meta analyses. And the one thing that I want to highlight for you in the middle is that cardiovascular events goes anyway. Okay, so lots of meta analyses report no difference. Some one reports a benefit from testosterone, and one and three, um, re, you know, re, um, reported harm, and that's not surprising because testosterone is likely to have complex effects on the cardiovascular system. We all know that it increases hematocrit and therefore might increase thrombotic risk, although the actual evidence is very limited. Um, but it might do good things like uh, coronary vasodilatation and also increasing muscle mass, which might make you more insulin sensitive. But And, and this quagmire has led to every single guideline citing a singular uncertainty of what it does to your cardiovascular system. And that's causing variation in prescribing behavior, we think. And, you know, the Food and Drugs Administration in the USA, a very powerful body, has to this date since 2005, a safety warning mandating the labeling of all testosterone products that they might be potentially associated with with risk. And the NIHR commissioned our group to actually look into this to objectively see what evidence is there and what is the evidence gap. And the advantage of why do an individual patient data meta-analysis? It's different to a summary meta-analysis because you actually get your hands on the raw source data. You also independently collate it and adjudicate and reclassify events in a blinded manner. And also, you know, we know that most events, you're not going to publish most events, are you? You're only going to publish, thing, you know, really bad things. And these studies weren't looking for cardiovascular risk. And also, we can do sensitivity analyses to then say, okay, what happens in older men versus younger men, fatter men versus thinner men, etc. These were the inclusion criteria. So we looked, we wanted placebo-controlled RCTs of monotherapy. So if it was testosterone plus something else, they were excluded. Um, We know that there's controversy, and we'll talk about that, about what is a low testosterone. And we decided to be very liberal so that we could later, again, move the dial to see as you made that criterion more strict, does it affect our results? And we excluded crossover designs, things less than three months. We thought that wouldn't be enough to do stuff, you know, in terms of safety. Um, 
And we, we, we excluded conditions where we thought it would affect the results. So for this reason, we, 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 we restricted, we excluded syndromic um, HIPOG, HIPOG, and also things like HIV or liver failure, which we thought would clearly affect our safety outcomes. Primary outcomes I'm going to present to you today are all-cause mortality and cardiovascular, cerebrovascular events. Uh, and um, we're still analysing the top two and hope to report on these in the spring. Um, and we're going to present to you physiological and other, other outcomes. And it's, it's important. So obviously, trials were of varying lengths. And, so we, and they would have measured things at repeated times. So we simply took the, the point, the time point that was closest to 12 months. If there was 12 months, that was great. If it was up to three months, we took three months. Okay. And importantly, all events were actually done. Everything was, in, was controlled by methodologists in Aberdeen, an excellent team. Who, are, who do not have a bias, you know, do, who do not have clinical knowledge of the scenario and actually sent us the events to actually independently, blindedly, you know, you know, patient went in with chest pain, had a fast heartbeat. And we had to decide what does that mean, reclassify. And we didn't know if they had placebo or testosterone. And then we knitted it back together. We had adjudication. And that's how we decided what was a cardiovascular event or not. So we found 35 eligible trials. We spent a long time, uh, actually, um, in some cases, going around the world, um, actually having um, negotiations to try and get the data. And we signed contracts and we managed to get just over half of the, the patients who were eligible. Treatment duration was 9.5 9 months. And as you can see, you know, this is, a, this is a pretty good population to study because average A is 65, average BMI 30, nearly 30% nearly, um, of diabetes, 8% had a previous heart attack. So in terms of a priori risk, it's a pretty decent group, isn't it? Looking at over three and a half, you know, three and a half thousand men. Okay. And it's important. To date, there has never been a cardiovascular endpoint trial for the very, very reason that obviously everyone was scared of doing one. So we were, so the advantage of the IPD was to actually look under the bonnet and actually check what actually went on with these patients. So here we go. So this is who has died? at all during cardio, you know, um, testosterone trials. This is it. And so basically 14 people have died, um, six in a TRT arm, 12 in the placebo arm. So very similar, and we've broken them down, very small numbers. So, so, the, so the absolute incidence of death has been low. We clearly are not powered to comment on whether one treatment is better than the other. Cardiovascular events. So um, there have been a total of about 200-odd events, and they, are, and they are quite equally distributed without any significant difference between the two groups. Breaking it down further into cardiovascular events, we can see they were very similar, and actually arrhythmias, coronary heart disease, heart failure were the most common, but again, equally, equally balanced. Looking at cerebrovascular events, so there were 15 in the, in the, in the testosterone arm and seven in the placebo one, again, very, very small events. You cannot, it, it's too small to speculate whether there's any difference. So conservatively, we conclude that we, in the, at present time, there is insufficient evidence to conclude that there is any difference in the short to medium term on cardiovascular safety. There is insufficient evidence. We can't exclude it, but that's what we got. 
We also did something called a two-way meta-analysis. I spent a long time actually being educated what that meant. And what that meant was, obviously, maybe the good studies came to us and gave them the data and the bad studies said, no, we don't want to collaborate with these people. And lots of people were dying. We never found out, right? And so what we did was combine the IPD with the aggregate data of people who didn't, you know, who weren't able to give us, give us the data. And we found actually a very similar outcome. So in other words, there were no discordances between IPD and the stuff that we couldn't get. Physiological outcomes is really, really interesting as well. I try to color code things um, in terms of things that um, went, that, that, that um, got better and uh, things that changed. So in terms of, unsurprisingly, who would have thought testosterone levels go up during testosterone? Yep. And we know that hematocrit goes up as well. What went down? As has previously been reported, minuscule reductions in cholesterol attributable to HDL and triglyceride reduction. So they go down. Who, who knows what these differences mean? But there are reductions. Fasting glucose, again, this has, been, this has been much speculated. We know that, you know, muscle mass goes up a little bit. There is a tiny reduction in fasting glucose, but no difference in HbA1c. And blood pressure has been talked about a lot, and they were very similar, so no, no significant differences. And what about other complications? Now, look, prostate cancer was an exclusion criteria for nearly all these studies. So unsurprisingly, there were very low instances. Edema is a known side effect of testosterone, and we found that, as with high hematocrits but nothing else, and particularly no venous thromboembolism. So overall, let's look at the limitations. Okay, so, you know, we only got 62% of the data, but it was concordant with the aggregate analyses that we looked at. The trials didn't have a unifying a way of, of defining what a cardiovascular outcome was. They weren't looking for it, but we did our very best in an unbiased manner to reclassify them. And there's a low record number of deaths, so we can't, we can't comment on mortality risk. And it's quite short term, you know, one would ideally want to look for a few years at atherosclerosis, wouldn't we? But the key findings are, so number one, I think we can say that few deaths have occurred during testosterone trials. So there isn't an unknown pool of people dropping dead within year one of, 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 of a VTE in an RCT setting. Okay. Number two, current evidence suggests that, uh, sorry, that there is no current evidence that there is elevation of cardiocerebrovascular risk less than a year, but there is an ongoing FDA-mandated Traverse trial, which has just finished, and they're reporting the data. We're all putting bets on, um, only joking, but, but, they're, but, they're gonna, but they're hopefully going to report next year. So they're going to report uh, in N of 6,000 men, actually the long-term safety. So it's going to be really, really interesting next year. We, and also, I didn't, I didn't say, we moved the dial on start, starting testosterone. Was it 12? Was it 8? Was it 7? We moved the dial in terms of BMI and in terms of age, and nothing came out as a predictor for any of these outcomes. And we didn't find any effects on, on, on blood pressure. Sorry, that's a mistake. There was a, there was a minor lowering in, in glucose, and there were known effects on hematocrit, edema, and HDL. And obviously, the long-term safety of testosterone requires further investigation. There are probably positive effects on the cardiovascular system. There may be negative effects as well. And who knows what that balance point is and how different people sit on that balance. And I think all we can say is that there's no current evidence for risk. And the good news is that we're going to get a lot more clarity next year.